The Great Lakes region of the United States and Canada encompasses eight total U.S. states, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and the Canadian province of Ontario, though depending on who you ask, some might also include Quebec. The area is a global leader in advanced manufacturing, research and development, automotive manufacturing. You get the idea. There's work to be done and jobs to be had. Today, nearly 100 million people call the Great Lakes region home. Besides big business, the area surrounding the lakes features some of the most beautiful and wild landscapes this side of Alaska. With nearly 7 million acres of national forests surrounding the lakes, it's no wonder that thousands of people a year flock to the area to experience all the forests have to offer. Ancient sand dunes, ice age remnants, historic lighthouses, and of course, the vast expanse of the trees themselves, where adventurers can hike, ski, camp, kayak, and even catch a glimpse of a variety of wildlife not otherwise seen in the lower 48. Modern day tourists come for all of the adventure and beauty of the Great Lakes forests. And, true, it probably has always been beautiful. But is there more to these woods than modern society wants us to believe? Could we have chosen to ignore what lurks in the shadows between a mix of deciduous and evergreen trees? For according to century-old stories, something has reportedly stalked the area's inhabitants since roughly the mid-1600s. The creature I'm referring to is not Bigfoot. No, not really. Some would consider it much more menacing and frightening, one with eyes sunk deep in its sockets and bloody lips belonging to a mouth with a taste for human flesh. The indigenous peoples of the Great Lakes region of the US and Canada have feared it for centuries so much that it is still feared by some, and talked about by many still to this day. The creature I'm referring to is the Wendigo. This is Macabre, a dark podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season one of our very first episode of Macabre. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm Nick. And we're here to read you some spooky, supposedly true accounts of things that have happened to people from all over the globe. Ooh. Are you excited? I am. Yeah, we're going to be doing things a little bit different. Fresh new look. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We are going to be covering everything from lore 
ancient legends, American history, as well as multicultural history, the paranormal, encounters with aliens or cryptids, and even my favorite, true crime. We have a little bit of everything. So like I said in the teaser, if you guys listen to that, we are going to be doing the show in seasons. So what that means is each season of Macabre is going to feature eight episodes. And the subjects of those episodes are all going to kind of fall under kind of the same category. So for instance, in season one, we are bringing you eight different cryptids or supernatural beings, one for each, each episode. Episodes will be released on Wednesdays at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Just a reminder that we live in New England and we do observe daylight savings time, so be sure to keep that in mind. So yeah, uh, we're going to kind of keep the banter short and sweet towards the beginning and we'll kind of chat more at the end about kind of what we think about the story. So we're just um, we're just going to basically jump right into it. Cool. You ready? I am. All right. So without any further ado, let's jump right into today's story. Prior to European settlement in the late 1700s, the Great Lakes region was, of course, inhabited by tribes of indigenous people, including the Iroquoian, Algonquian, Shawnee, Cree, and Erie. We can trace their marks on this land to as early as 8,000 to 12,000 BC. That's a long time for these people to get to know this land and what dwells between its trees. Besides the dense population of wolves, coyotes, black bears, bobcats, lynx, and golden eagles, the native population had much more to fear than just their average wildlife predators. The Wendigo is said to be a huge, menacing creature, sometimes depicted standing upright like a man, towering up to 15 feet tall. It is gaunt and emaciated, with dead-looking ash-gray skin pulled tight over its bones. Some describe it as looking like a freshly dug-up skeleton. But it is alive. Oh, it's alive. And it's on the hunt. Tall and terrifying, it stalks the woods in search of prey, staring out into the darkness with its eyes pushed back deep, deep into its skull, its mouth bloody and hungry for fresh human meat. The Wendigo is dirty and stinking, giving off a stench of decay and decomposition so strong it is said that you can sometimes smell the creature before you see it, though it may be on your last breath. Some claim the Wendigo is a relative of Bigfoot, while others compare it more to a werewolf. Some even claim that the creature's head is topped with antlers, giving it the appearance of being even larger when standing on its hind legs. Algonquian legends describe the Wendigo as a gigantic being with a heart made of ice, its body totally emaciated, skeletal, deformed, and lacking lips and toes. The Ojibwe tribe describes the creature similarly. They claim that the Wendigo is as tall as a tree, with no lips and huge, sharp, jagged teeth. It breathes with a bone-chilling, rattling hiss, and leaves behind footprints full of blood. Any man, woman, or child unlucky enough to venture into the path of the Wendigo would surely be killed and eaten, though, in that case, they may have gotten off easy. 
Occasionally, the Wendigo chooses to possess a person instead, turning the individual into a Wendigo himself and causing them to hunt down their loved ones and eat them. Yet another description of the creature comes from the native peoples of the north woods of Minnesota and the Great Lakes. They know the Wendigo as a gigantic spirit towering over 15 feet tall that had once actually been a human, but had been transformed into the monster by the use of dark magic. It is said to have glowing eyes, terrible fangs and claws, and a long tongue. Sometimes the Wendigo is said to have sickly, yellowish skin. Other times, dirty, matted hair and skin stretch tightly over its bones. The creature is stealthy, a nearly perfect hunter, and it knows its territory well. Some say that it can even control the weather with its dark magic. It is said that the Wendigo is cursed to wander the land forever, eternally hunting for food to fulfill their endless appetite for human flesh. If there is nothing left for it to eat, it starves to death. The name Wendigo comes from the Algonquin Native American folklore, meaning the evil spirit that devours mankind. In most legends, the story goes that the Wendigo was actually a hunter who had gotten hopelessly lost in the woods one brutally cold winter. Freezing and dying of starvation, the hunter resorted to feasting on one of his hunting mates. The taste of human meat transformed the hunter into a crazed man-beast that would roam the forest for all eternity, searching for other humans to devour. During the turn of the 20th century, the Algonquian had a large number of their people mysteriously go missing. Many of these unsolved disappearances were blamed on Wendigo attacks. It is said that unlike other monsters, the Wendigo doesn't need to rely on its speed alone to capture victims. Some legends do describe the creature as being unusually fast and can endure walking for long periods of time, even in harsh conditions. Others, however, claim that the Wendigo's movements are more haggard, as if the creature is about to simply fall apart. This is when it relies on its ability to mimic human voices to lure unsuspecting victims away from civilization and into its lair. Some even say it can mimic the sound of babies crying. Once the victim is alone, it attacks. Perhaps the most famous story of the Wendigo is that of a man named Swift Runner of the Cree tribe in the late 1870s. Born in Alberta, Canada, Swift Runner was a married man and father of six children. He was considered to be a mild-mannered and trustworthy man, and he was very fond of his family. Swift Runner made a living as a trapper and a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police, but unfortunately, as the years went on, he developed a taste for alcohol. He was an angry drunk and was soon fired from the police force and kicked out of his tribe due to violent tendencies. With no job and being no longer able to provide for his family, things seemed to grow hopeless for Swift Runner. In the winter of 1878, with nowhere left to go, Swift Runner took his wife, six children, his mother-in-law, and brother out into the forest. 
They were not seen again until months later, in the spring of 1879, when Swift Runner emerged from the woods and walked into a nearby Catholic mission. When asked where the rest of his family was, he confessed to a priest that his entire family was dead. Swift Runner said that during the winter, he had not been able to find any food, and eventually, his relatives starved to death. The strange thing, however, was that Swift Runner himself looked to be in pretty good health. He had clearly not starved over the past few months. The priest also knew that other Cree in the area had not had trouble finding food over the winter. Furthermore, emergency food supplies were available some 25 miles away at the Hudson Bay Company post, but Swift Runner did not attempt to travel there. His story just seemed so strange, but there was not much the priest could do. Soon, Swift Runner began to be plagued with constant nightmares, so severe he would often wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Admittedly, the priest thought this behavior was growing more odd, but it was not wholly disconcerting. Until one day, Swift Runner was caught trying to lead a group of children into the woods. This was surely suspicious. The priest reported this incident to police, and Swift Runner was arrested and ordered to take them to his winter campsite. They were met with a horrifying scene. Human bones lay strewn about the campsite, many broken in half and hollowed out, suggesting someone had cracked them open and sucked out the marrow, and a pot nearby was full to the brim with human fat. Well, what happened? Swift Runner told police that he had been possessed by the evil Wendigo spirit who haunted the woods where he and his family had camped. He claimed he'd been haunted by dreams where a Wendigo spirit visited him and told him to kill and eat his entire family. The spirit had invaded his mind, gradually taking control, until Swift Runner transformed into the Wendigo, leaving his true self behind. He then killed and ate his wife. Afterward, the Wendigo forced one of the children to kill and butcher his younger brother, while the Wendigo himself hung the infant child by the neck from a pole. The former man also killed and ate Swift Runner's brother and mother-in-law. He admitted later that the older woman had been, quote, a bit tough. Swift Runner went on trial on August 8, 1879. The jury deliberated for only 20 minutes before finding him guilty of the murder of his entire family. He was sentenced to death. Swift Runner was executed on December 20th, 1879, the first man to be legally hanged in Alberta, Canada. It was a bitterly cold morning. So, is the legend of the Wendigo real? Could there really be an evil spirit haunting the forests of the Great Lakes, lying in wait to prey upon humans who venture out too far into its mists? Or is it just that, a legend? A majority of Wendigo sightings happened between the 1800s and 1920s. There have been very few reports of the creature since, but they do happen from time to time. As recently as 2019, there were reports of a mysterious howling noise in the Canadian wilderness that led some to question if a Wendigo were prowling around, hoping to stumble upon its next victim.
I'll leave it up to you to decide what's real. So what did you think? It's kind of like Canadian Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I heard of like the Wendigo before, and they they have a movie coming out that looks really cool. There's actually been a bunch of Wendigo movies. Yeah, see the, I haven't seen any of them. Though. See the preview for Antlers. That actually, I think really, we did. We really watched really that. Good. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that is that already cool. out? I don't know. I think it is. I kind of I saw a trailer for it like a month ago, and I was like, wow, that looks really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, we might have to go watch that. Yeah, we should for sure. I love stuff like that, like creatures and things. I figured you would. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I guess with this this new podcast that we're doing now, I really want to focus a lot on history. I really, mm-hmm. I like a lot of history. You know, we'll do a little bit shorter episodes and then hopefully in the future, you know, if all goes well, um, I'm planning on doing this more of like a weekly thing and not a seasonal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, could, I only had time to get episode eight episodes done so i figured you know we'll keep them short and sweet and uh-huh. you know eventually maybe we'll do an extra one a week and we'll try to do more history and and lore and folklore i want to do some stuff from around the world there's some really cool folklore i stumbled upon from like japan and russia oh, wow. and yeah there's there's an um actually even like like the latin americas and mexico there's uh-huh. some really cool ones too so yeah i'm hoping to cover all those so Nice. If there's anything you want to hear, let me know. Do some research. Maybe yeah. we could do some research together. Maybe. Mm-mm. Maybe. Unlikely. <laughs> Maybe do something about the skunk ape. I've never even heard of that. Look it up. I think it's like a... A skunk ape? Is like, he a stinky ape? Kind of. It's like I think it's like Bayou, Alabama folklore. Like swamps. Interesting. Yeah. It's called a swamp ape. No! Skunk ape. I'm sorry. A swamp ass. A swamp. No, it's not. It's a skin. <laughs> it's probably has swamp ass. It's a skunk ape. I think you're the swamp ass. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, skunk ape. That's what it's called. So. Did you know much about the Wendigo before we talked about it? Kind of knew what it looked like for like pic- like drawings and stuff. It kind Obviously, of looks never like seen a picture of one, but. Right, right. Um, some some of the pictures I will post on the Instagram, but uh, I found obviously they're all drawings. But to me, it looks kind of like a like an emaciated version of like a werewolf. Yeah, they're creepy as hell. Looking. They're really creepy. Or people's artistic renditions of them. Yeah. Creepy. Oh yeah, definitely. What do you think happened to Swift Runner? Do you think do you think a Wendigo took over him? No, but. Well, he killed and ate his entire family. So it's pretty nuts. Well, what makes a person go from like you know a pretty normal person i'm sure if we knew more about this guy he'd probably fit every criteria of like a spree killer or a serial killer you know well they said he was like a super reputable person in the community and so like a, a nice guy and family man yeah i guess so but i don't know man it's kind of weird he also could have got that like hypothermia thing where like oh, yeah, like you, you uh, go crazy paradox not paradoxical undressing, but yeah, it kind of fucks with your mind or, yeah. or even I've heard, um, that combined with like chronic alcoholism, the you know, wet brain, all that stuff. I actually heard something that like being in the woods too long, especially if you're by yourself can like fuck you up really bad. Oh, sure. Like, cause you're just in this like weird space. Like the, the woods can be trippy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. he totally could have had like a mental breakdown and like just started killing and eating people. And grandma was a bit tough. She's like a, That's so like, a gross. like a tough old steak. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. When he said that, I was like, ew. I know. Grandma was tough. <laughs> gross. Yeah. 
yeah, so I hope you all like that. Um, yeah, we're doing this, I guess, you know, a little bit differently, a little more just storytelling, a little less banter. You know, if, if, if you guys like our banter, you can kind of stick around to the end. And if you don't like it, you can kind of you know, skip it at the end. But you get the whole rest of the show all pretty straightforward. And so, yeah, that concludes episode one. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll see you all next week. Macabre, a dark podcast, is researched, written, recorded, and produced by Monica Grasso. The music is written and produced by Monica Grasso and Nick Ferrero. You can follow us on Instagram at macabre.darkcast and email us at macabre.darkcast at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E dot D-A-R-K-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please share our podcast with anyone who you think would like our content. If your podcast app lets you leave a rating and a review, please do. We are a small operation, so we need you, the listener, to help us grow. So see you next time as we take our journey into the darkness. And remember... Do be careful out there.